I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. Welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. I'm back, back, back. Hello, Snowflakes. You're back. Well, firstly, how was your holiday? It was lovely. Just remind us about where you went. I went to Bilbao, mm. then I went to Donostia, San Sebastian. Very nice. And then I went to Limoges in uh-huh. France, yeah. where I met with 40 degree heat and many biting insects. Oh. But I did have a very nice time there. Well, that my sounds... lovely partner and her parents. That sounds lovely. Yes. So you did intergenerational my son intergenerational holidays. It was lovely. We had a very nice time. Wow, wow. And wow. now I'm back, and Brexit's all looking great, isn't it? <laughs> yes, so also, you left, and we sorted it out. We sorted it all out. Yeah, yeah. Boris. Um, of it's course, go, it's was going well, isn't it? The, the wheels of the clown car are falling off. It is, and we'll talk about <laughs> the that. Whole wheel nuts are... in a second. Um, now we uh, have the news, of course, because we know that most people come to it's us all for their about the news, isn't Brexit it? news, don't they? Yeah. Um, and there will be lots of you, I'm sure, who are just, oh, what's been happening this week? Yes. We'll get to that. Don't you fret. You stick with us. Then we're going to talk to Jerry about, um, well, political PRs and directors of communication, because there's been some characters, hasn't there? Um, but none perhaps quite so, um, well, birdie as uh, yeah. Lee Kane and his chicken soup. So we'll talk about that with Jerry very shortly. And then there will be a. Brexiteer of the week. Because we've had a hiatus, of course. We've had two weeks without a Brexiteer of the week. I know, and there's been, there's been so much tomfoolery, well, d- as back, Joe Biden would say. Not not so long ago, of course, when um, I was able to spend a little bit more time on the new European print product, or yes. we'd spend none now, so, yeah. <laughs> so a lot more Which time. Which we prefer. Yeah, um, and the reader would agree, I'm sure. I think so, when yeah. you went on holiday, they used to I used to sort of pull it together. Oh, yeah. But then one week, we were really, really busy, so we only did eight. Yeah, eight. <laughs> and I think after that, you kind of sacked me, didn't you, without think, telling me? Basically, yeah. Um, so, uh, so we're all back and normal, and we're it's, back, back, back. it's going to be back and normal and great for one week. Then it's you and Jerry for a couple then you're of weeks. Off, yeah. But but Jerry's lining up a good guest for next week. Is she? I will say no more. Ooh. I will say no more. Is My, it Mel Brooks? It, it, he was always good on Parkinson. He was. Peter uh, Houston off? No, no. He's dead, isn't no. He? Billy Connolly? Oh, yeah. It's not him. Is it Emu? Uh, <laughs> that'd be great, I'd love him. You know, Basil Brush. Basil Brush? Yeah, Basil Brush has got a new adult show at the Has Edinburgh he? Fringe. Oh, a bit cheeky. He's Brexit, isn't he? Basil Brush, oh, do you think? Well, He's got the tweeds, hasn't I he? Like, he prob- I think he probably is, yeah. What about. So let's let's do ventriloquist dummies, yeah, Brexit yeah, or Remain. Yeah, yeah. Lord Charles, 
Oh. These Brexit, surely. Well, just because he's a lord. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Well, he perhaps. could be one of the rebel lords. Yeah, he? I think that he might be. He could be Remain. Tory through and through, but perhaps sort of Ken Clark. Spit the dog? I think he's definitely Brexit. Uh, Chuckles the monkey? Oh! <laughs> I ain't that dog. <laughs> he's my favourite, and he's definitely Brexit. Gordon the gopher? Ah, now, he used to wear a leather jacket. He did, yeah. I would suggest that he's an old old lefty um, at heart, so I think he's probably a Remainer. A little bit of politics. Mm. And what? An emu himself? Emu? Well, I think he's an ultra-Remainer, one of the aggressive ones. I don't know. I mean, he's... He, he liked chaos, didn't he? Grabbing, grabbing he's a sort Nigel Farage. Of the Dominic Cummings of, <laughs> of, of, of ventriloquist um, <laughs> dummies. Anyway, you don't care. that was an actual viable career option, wasn't it? That being being a ventriloquist. Well, it was. And, did, I mean, not kids only... in the sixties doing that old thing didn't have computers back then, did they? Really massive rooms computers were in those days. But yeah. you know, I don't know. You were a little bit older than me, like twenty years or whatever. And and on the um, on at school, did you have to sit in front of a computer and put in what you liked, and it told you what you could no, there was none of that. Well, no, you're not, he's not really 20 we, years old. So uh, we had this BBC computer. Yes. I'd love one of them now. They were great. They were good, weren't they? And you put in, I like shopping yeah. and I like football. Yeah. And it'd come back, go and work in a sports shop or <laughs> something like that. Brilliant. Yeah. That's good. So I, but I reckon it, there they were, you know, obviously no computers, but there were people, careers advisors, having chats with kids in the 60s and they were going, do you know what? Ventriloquist. Ventriloquist, that's a good Because there were hundreds of them, weren't they? There were. What was that's that about? Good. I don't know. Just see I mean, there was a, um, there was a, at one time, I mean, when I was a kid, I was going to say this uh, when you were sort of, I guess rambling is mm, the word before, mm, mm. Um, but at one time, ventriloquist dummy was quite a popular gift, yeah. you know, in the days before the ZX Spectrum and all of this. I had a couple. Did you? What yeah, did you yeah. have? I, I never had one. Oh. I never had one, but I always fancied one, but it was one of those things like... Uh, oh, maybe a... Kaplunk and... Oh, Kaplunk was good, though. What was the kicking thing? Buckaroo. Buckaroo. I was never allowed to have the, you know, the viewed as being too cheap and you'll lose interest in these. I didn't quickly. have Buckaroo. Quite rightly, I thought good calls from the parents. I'm not there. sure. I think Kaplunk is a solid game. Buckaroo, yes. It's like um, Operation. Operation. Mum would have none of that. No, I liked but, Operation. Um, I didn't have that either. But, but, but Kaplunk is still with us. Kaplunk still a good game. But the, is the, it not the, a digital Kaplunk? Almost certainly. They're, the um, the sticks now that you put in Kaplunk are not sharp at the ends. No, of course Because not. obviously the... the so today's snowflake generation. Exactly, exactly. Not wanting to... Cause, because people <clears> used to... You used to get quite close to Kaplunk, didn't you, to see... you get underneath oh, get it, and then people could, would jab you, wouldn't oh. they? You'll have your eye out with that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was quite dangerous. Put Brexit down, you'll have your eye you'll out. You'll have your eye out with Brexit. <laughs> what was I going to say about ventriloquist dummy? They were so popular at one point, weren't they, that in America there was a ventriloquist dummy on the radio. Yeah. And it was... Um, <laughs> the, drum, the dummy was called Charlie McCarthy. Yeah, that's right. And it was... The, the, the ventriloquist was Edgar Bergen, who is the, the, the father of Candice Bergen. Well, why do... Well, I tell you what, that little actor. treat, why don't I bring my ventriloquist dummy out now? That'd be great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. This is Nigel. Hello, Nigel. Bugger off. <laughs> He'd say gugger off, surely, wouldn't he? <laughs> He's good, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, look at the moonlight. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Anyway, no, Nigel, go off you go, Nigel, off you go. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> so, news-wise, I went to... Farage is like a glove, the <laughs> little ventriloquist, isn't he? He does look like... You wouldn't want to stick your hand up that arse, would you? Steve Bannon. Oh, Steve Bannon. He was good on the Today programme this week, wasn't he? Blimey. I mean... Scary. Why was he, why was he interviewed next to a military jeep? Well, he was, he, he was interviewed next to a bit of the Mexican... Is American right? border wall, which has been put up by private individuals. Right. And I would suggest that's quite good optics for the fascist nutter, Steve Bannon. Um, Who's going out there and building walls? Who well, are these people? I don't know, but we'll, we'll come on to Americans who like to spend their money on unusual things later on in the podcast. But, I mean, are they going, Ah, oh, gee, Dad, what should we do Saturday? Don't you worry, son, we're going to build a wall. Well, Billy... <laughs> <laughs> in the garden, Dad. And, uh, no, in the desert. Sheesh. Anyway. <laughs> Indeed, sheesh. Now, we, we haven't... I mean, you did ring up last week and talk for a bit and then very rudely put the phone down on us. But, yes, um, I, lost, I lost contact. Or interest, I think. And interest. And so did everyone else. But um, Boris is the Prime Minister. I was told I sounded quite <laughs> subdued. You did, actually. I think your comedy... Your comedy is best face to face. It's best face to face. I don't think you should deliver it over the phone. No, um, no. In future, no. Uh, although maybe we could do some prank calls. Maybe that would work you into some. That would be great. That wouldn't would it? be funny. Actually, we should probably do that. Can I get a Seymour butts? Boris, IP freely. Back into the I mean, there's just loads smell. of them, aren't they? especially now I'm in my fifties. Uh, Boris Johnson is the prime minister. It's very just, good, yeah, yeah. Just if you need a little okay, catch-up. Yeah. He's been doing a little tour. He's, yes. Where's he been? Where's he been? Mm. He's, well, he's been everywhere, hasn't he? He's been, he went up north. This week. Last week he went up north, didn't he? He's been to the... Uh, he's been in all corners of the awesome foursome, hasn't he? Yeah, he went to Wales to Seemed meet to some be sheep the farmers. Winsome Wonsome, <laughs> I would say. Win-non-wonsome. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, he's been he's been doing his uh, his, <clears throat> his fantastic No Deal tour, which is going to sell everybody no on deal the benefits tour. of <laughs> Boris Johnson on tour. On Boris Johnson the on no tour, deal it's tour. gone really well, hasn't it? Do you reckon he has one of them T-shirts that says Yeah, all this. I had a, I had this pal right who who I can't name because he's a copper now, hmm. but he um, but anyone who knows me will know this chap, and he's a lovely chap, right? Lovely chap. Yeah, good. Uh, he, um, but but perhaps sometimes makes the wrong call. Okay. On jokes and what's funny and what isn't. Right. Okay. And some behavioural issues. Certainly, as a younger man, nothing criminal. You no. Know, no. Other that. that. Just sometimes a bit like foot in mouth. You know. Which um, which TV cop does he most resemble? <laughs> he's like an Inspector Frost. <laughs> no, he's more of he's a because um, he's a bit politically incorrect. He's more he? of a Kojak. He's more of a Kojak. So he's a bald policeman. <laughs> I never said he was bald. He looks a lolly, you know. Yeah. What was his What was his catchphrase? Good loves you, baby. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, but not like that. That sounded like he, the. Um, <laughs> did that sound like that guy's off to build baby. a wall? That sounded like Butch the dog off Tom and Jerry. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, anyway. Anyway, indeed. Uh, and he had a T-shirt that said Hitler on tour. Oh, oh yes, and yes. then I and then this, Great Britain yeah. cancelled. Yes, I remember this one. Boris's could be a bit like that. It could be, yeah. No deal. Uh, 
ultimately probably will be cancelled, won't it? Yeah. Um, well, anyway, that's up, so he went to uh, Wales, did he, Northern did he Ireland. Go to first, where, did he actually oh, did he go uh, to somewhere in England? I think. Oh yeah, he did the north and the middle as you probably saw it. And he wore a it. jacket with Prime, Prime Minister, Minister on it, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, all his clothes now. He's got. He's had Carrie stitch all into his underpants, Prime Minister. Because um, when they do, when the cabinet do PE, yeah. supposedly Dominic Raab's always nicking the pants. Yes, don't know. Um, um, and, and, and you know, and you, you end up, he comes home from cabinet with no pants, and Carrie's like, "Not another pair of pants missing, Boris." Oh no! Or at least this is what Boris is telling Carrie about his missing pants. He's missing pants. <laughs> yeah, I looked lost to at PE. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's got his jacket with PM on it, and he's been to. I think he was in Wales on. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Monday. Sorry, I think Monday, Tuesday. He's Wales been to Monday. Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's a bit like a crap Craig David song. Went to meet some sheep farmers in Wales on Monday. It's not. It's yeah. It's, uh, the remix is not worth it. He was in it. Scotland on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, he was making love in Northern Ireland by Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, perhaps. And then he, uh, ch- he, chilled, on, he chilled on <laughs> Sunday <laughs> with Carrie. <laughs> um, so. He's been all over, hasn't he? Bless him. Um, he's, he's been, been everywhere. Been... He's been everywhere, man. And everywhere he's been, he's been met with... A hail of booze. <laughs> yes, he really has, hasn't he? He's got seven um, security staff looking after him. Yes. And there was a great picture last week, which you may or may not have seen. I think it was in the Midlands. And uh, he was there with Pretty Patel. What a... What a pair! And uh, I mean Boris and yeah, Pretty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounded very that wrong, sounded didn't terrible. it? Terrible. I mean, like, what a pair of loonies! That was like Inspector Frost all <laughs> over again. Are you? Are you the Frost of it? Does that make me the old sort of the old Sarge with the moustache from that? Could I, ju- I would just like George was walking in with a cup of tea, isn't he? I'd just like to say that I was in no way referencing anything about Pretty's appearance. I was talking about Boris and Pretty together I'm as ama- a pair. Because I've, I'm amazed that you actually mentioned Pretty Patel because I'm, I'm under the impression that she's been locked away somewhere and somebody, a civil servant is, is explaining to her why you can't reintroduce the gibbet for shoplifters. And, Can yeah. we not just cut their hands off? No, no. Yes, yes. And why can't we just starve the Irish? No, 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 no they're our friends. <laughs> yes, Pretty Patel is quite something, isn't she? She is, a, she is an, a, an as-yet unexplored bomb. Quite. Um, the World at One rang me last week and asked me if I'd be mean about her. Then what did you say? Well, I said absolutely. How long you <laughs> I said absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to. And um, and in the end, the editor uh, sadly um, said we haven't got time. We haven't got time. Because I was, still, I was like an hour later and I still... There's too many other people <laughs> queued up to being mean about her. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, so I missed It's that fair one. to say <clears> that she is not very good. No, no, not very good at all. Um, and so, and they, they, so anyway, they, they were in the Midlands, a pair of them, and um, they were people in the background, no Brexit, people's vote booing, screaming, and this long line, like a, you know, not a thin blue line, like a massive big grey line of bruises mm. between the PM and the protesters. Right. And that's less than a week in. Yes. Um, so it's building to a crescendo of boos, I would suggest. Yes, it is, yes. Although I've got to say, Margaret Thatcher and her cabinet were roundly booed everywhere they went. Weren't from they? day one? Maybe not exactly I mean, from I day one. Bo- but I wasn't born then. But, but certainly she won two elections after they were roundly booed everywhere. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Blair was followed around by anti war protesters and still won another election. Yeah. But I, I just, I can't. And. 
you know, I wasn't born until 1980, but the, the, I can't remember, I can't think of ever reading about a Prime Minister that's been booed day after he became Prime Minister. No. He's literally done nothing as Prime Minister. No, <laughs> although I will, um, I will tell you that in 1979, mm. one of the, and this is almost complete, I've never seen this written about, but there was a Conservative um, advertising campaign in cinemas. Right. So when you sat down in 1979 <laughs> to watch the equivalent of Spider-Man the, Far From well, Home what was the, or whatever, What would the big movies in 79 be? Apocalypse Now? Apocalypse Now, yeah. <clears throat> Apocalypse <laughs> Soon, yeah. But anyway, Impending. there was a little Conservative thing. It would come on in the trailers, and the, the end of it was, um, it said... Coming soon, the Conservatives. Just before the election, quite a good luck. Yeah, is, Coming soon, well, that was, the uh, Conservatives. And my my mother saw this in a, in a cinema, <laughs> and when it came up on screen, it said, "Coming soon, the Conservatives." A bloke stood up next to her and went, "Not f***ing likely." <laughs> he was wrong, though, wasn't he? He was wrong, sadly. Yeah, <laughs> sweary but wrong. Sweary but wrong. Uh, well, I mean. And cinemas are a good place to advertise, I think. Yeah, that would have been that would have been Sarchi's first year, wouldn't it? Did he do? Was that probably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was around the time of Britain's not working. Yeah, so it's yeah, all, yeah. all new, fantastic. Um, so we're talking about so, so Boris has sort of just been well, Boris, I guess, and being booed, boo boy Boris. He's been booed, yeah, uh, uh, quite rightly. Um, the uh, if I was Dominic Cummings, who I know you're going to talk about later on. Oh no, you know we are. Oh, we are. Yeah. Okay. Um, would what well, when you saw him walking into that meeting with Nicola Sturgeon? Oh my God, that was my favourite bit. Absolutely, I mean, my the boos were extraordinary, weren't but they? The, but the, it got better, didn't it? When he tried to tried to he, do that thing, he tried to come put on, his arm love. around her. Come and on, she doll. Quite rightly, just looked at him. Come on, arm. darling. Come yeah. on. And she went. No, she sort of flung her arm. And said, no, oh, you, did I'm, she? Right. You, yeah, you, yeah. You get in I mean, first. This thing, is my home. The whole thing was great. Yeah, she was good. It was. Um, she is actually. I'm not. A, listen. And then he I went s- out through the back door, which is much better <laughs> the than the first time Boris has coming in through the, the back door. The back door. Yes. All right, Steve. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm no great fan of Nicola Sturgeon, as, as the Scottish Liberation Front are aware on Twitter. Yeah. But, I, but she is a good politician. Well, yes, yeah, she is. I, you know. And good for her for sticking sticking it to Boris. But I, I just thought it was absolutely extraordinary that having been booed in Scotland and them knowing that he was going, that the same thing then happened to him the next day. You know, is he bothered? I mean, people say he's thin-skinned, but is he bothered about you know people who wouldn't weren't going to vote for him anyway booing him? Well, do most people in this country in so, sorry? Do most people in England think that the union is something that is desirable? Yes. I think most people in England yeah. and most people, in, probably in Britain as yeah. a whole, yes. think the union is something desirable. Yes, and I, I, and, and, I, and I think continued. It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because the the most um, ardent Brexiteer, let's take Nigel Farage. Loves the economic union of Great Britain. He does, yeah. <laughs> he loves that economic union. I just think that there are these things that are emerging in only the... the where are we now? The second week of the, the clown car ride. Yeah. That are very worrying for Boris Johnson. The emerging cost of no deal, the risks yeah. to the union, all the lies of the referendum being reheated by Dominic Raab's lie. Yes, yeah. Dominic Rob, you watch him next time he's on TV, right? He's sweaty. Isn't Turn it? the sound down and imagine what his internal monologue is. And this is what it is. 
it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, yeah. it's fine. They haven't realised. They haven't realised you're lying. Yeah. Yeah. He's panicking. He yeah, looks yeah, yeah. absolutely terrified. And you know, <clears> it goes to the absence of competent leaders in the cabinet. This misguided strategy to monster uh, Leo Varadkar, and then worries that most right-thinking people in this country have got about what kind of a trade deal we will do with the USA and what horrible things will be forced to accept. So I, I think there's a lot of worrying uh, things um, for the former, government. The former Irish ambassador to London, whose name I'm bound to get wrong, and my poor old well, Irish Boris grandmother. Johnson said everybody in Ireland's called Murphy, didn't he? He said, why isn't Leo Varadkar called Murphy like the rest of them when he was foreign <coughs> yeah. secretary? Yeah, so this and guy's called Paddy or Murphy. Absolutely extraordinary. <laughs> so this... this, uh, this the Prime Minister... This, for the God's former, sake! The, for, the former oh, Irish ambassador to London is called Diathy O'Kelly. I think O'Kelly. Yeah. Anyway. Well, what um, part, of, what part it, of Ireland are you from, by the way? <laughs> that, that was incredible. It was almost a declaration of war on the EU and on Ireland, he said. He said. Who said that again? Diathy O'Kelly. Okay. Um, we're going to come under fearful pressure We're in the sorry, next few weeks. Ireland. Yeah, we are sorry. Uh, I really am sorry, and I should have checked that out with our with our pronunciation department, but we don't have one. Uh, yes. So, okay. I mean, there, there is the Irish are spooked um, quite rightly about the border and about the backstop and about the fact that they just really, honestly, do not doesn't seem to give two oohs, does it, Boris? Well, no. Uh, no, and there seems to be an idea among. Boris's people, among cabinet ministers, certainly among Boris's cheerleaders in the the Sun and the, <coughs> the Telegraph, mm. that Ireland have got the best, you know, there's some kind of special relationship between Britain and Ireland. I mean, that, apart from geographically, is farcical, isn't it, given mm. what's gone on <laughs> um, over the years. But the idea that the Irish will somehow, you know, break away from the EU to help us out, do, do things which inconvenience themselves <clears throat> financially, is, is just incredible. Aidan I mean, Regan. It's, it's amazing. The backstop, the backstop is not going to be taken out by the EU and, and by the Irish. This is our land border with the EU. Just, just, as, a, just as a little we aside. Leave it open so we can drive in substandard cheaper goods that we pile in, in from... <laughs> see, exactly, that we pile it or just leave it open. It'll be fine. We'll just, you know, a it, nod and a wink. I mean, it's farcical, isn't it? Aidan Regan, who is uh, from the University College Dublin, Said uh, he was talking about the comments on the on the backstop that, that Boris made. It is objectively true that the post-Brexit border is a British responsibility, and Johnson's comments make him look irresponsible and aggressive. I think we can all agree with that. Yes. But he seems to hold the cards now because the threat of crashing out is credible. So this almost to me it feels like Boris is quite happy to smash our car into a wall. Yes. Are you going to get out of the way and let him do it? Well, I don't think that the Irish are under any... But, they, but us crashing out will damage them as well. Well, it will damage them. But More luckily, so than any of the other 27. Well, it, that, that, is, that is also true. So is this actually a piece of genius negotiation from Boris that will get us a better deal? No, because they have got a, a market of another 26 countries <laughs> on tap which are also extremely close to them. Um, and while it will be a bigger inconvenience for them than, than most others, 
um, it will be less of an inconvenience than what the Brexiteers are proposing. OK. Just a reminder, Boris Johnson is the Prime Minister. Oh, God! Yeah. Um, Alistair Campbell, our editor-in-chief... Yeah. Uh, he's, he doesn't want to rejoin Corbyn's Labour. He's written a... No. Three hundred, well, three and a half thousand word letter. Yes. Um, to Mr. Corbyn, he was expelled, of course, for for admitting voting Lib Dem in the Euro elections a few months yes. back, back in May. Uh, and that letter is exclusively published in this week's New European, so you can read the whole thing. And it's worth, you know, usually if you get a letter, three and a half thousand words, you're like, oh god, yeah, who's this it's from? From the bank, isn't it? Yeah, well, no, there's usually just a couple of words. When it's certain, written in red, certain colour. You have yeah. to write to Jeremy Corbyn in red, otherwise you won't read it. Is that right? <laughs> is that right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone writes to me in red, it goes straight in the bin. Um, uh, and you have to put a little Venezuelan stamp on it. I bet like you that. do. Draw a little hammer and sickle. Put dear comrade at the start. Dear comrade, These are the tips. Yeah. yeah. Tips if you want your letter to be read by Mr. Corbyn. Yeah. Uh, he was. Um, well, he's not. He's not very happy. Is he old? Old Al. Alistair. Mm. Uh, he's not very happy with justifiable reasons. Yeah, absolutely. He's. Uh, his expulsion from the Labour Party, um, which the Labour Party generously offered to reduce to a, uh, sus- a suspended suspension, didn't they? We're going to, we'll only, we'll, we'll, we'll suspend <coughs> it, and it, it was only a suspension anyway, but then we'll suspend course, that Lib while Dem, we investigate. Voting Lib Dem, oh, well, he's nothing really to investigate, he, he admitted he voted Lib Dem. Voting Lib Dem is a big crime, big crime. Imagine, can you think of anything worse? You're not coming back. Yeah, that's But it. if you're an anti-Semite, that's fine. In you come. Back you come. Well, I mean, they are making moves to get rid of some of those people, aren't well, they? It's well, not entirely well, fair. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. Stop. Making moves now? How many years ago? Well, yes, they're making... Well... The leadership... We've, we've the talked Labour. about this for three years, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, I've been back, I'm, I'm a horse I've been going on about. You're so a horse? I am a horse. <laughs> nay. I am a horse. Nay and thrice nay. This is a revelation. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I will I will smash my hoof down on this table in be, anger. All I'm, all I'm saying is it would be very difficult <clears> for an anti-Semite to join the Labour Party now. Well, a declared anti-Semite with a, a history of this. But, well, of course, this was part of in the first place. But it's been, but been legitimised for years by a leadership that's done nothing. Totally agree. Well, now they are trying no to worse. do something. The Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn are no worse than, than Donald Trump and his followers. And no worse? No better. And no better. Yeah, no better. Well, no, that's true, because he is legitimising racism and so is Jeremy Corbyn. Well, it's it's been... The whole thing has been... Incredibly regrettable in handling. Regrettable, you sound like the bloody Labour front it's, bench. It's been handled absolutely appallingly. And there are and people active anti Semites in the Labour Party. There are, there are there members, is, I'm talking members, I'm not right. talking about MPs, you're although right. some of them have got some very questionable well, comments in the past. You're right, the and there are too many. But I'm not saying there's not. The goalposts are moving. I'm not it. saying there's not racists in the Tory party, of oh, course no. there is, there's tons of them. But what I'm saying is this is something that's been brought to Labour's attention time and time again and nothing, nothing has been done. But within a second, Alistair Campbell's kicked out for voting Lib Dem. Automatically expelled. Yeah, and made a fool of. After all he's done for that party. Yeah. For his entire life, pretty much. Although it must be said, mustn't it, that the the people, you know, we know why he was being thrown out. It's not because he went on after the polls had closed during the European elections and said, I just voted for the Lib Dem. He was automatically expelled because the people who are now in charge of the Labour Party really dislike 
Alistair Campbell, Tony Blair. The people who are now in charge of the them, Labour Party the hate Blairites more than they hate anti-Semites. And, that, um, I'm afraid that that is true. Yeah, yes, and, 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 and that is why he's been kicked out. It's an absolute disgrace. Labour are a disgrace. Jeremy Corbyn is a very dangerous man. Uh, so, <laughs> what are you... Do you hope to, how's your Labour Party membership card looking these days? i tell you what... I hope they La- don't hear this. i tell you what... If well, Labour, Harry Murphy hears if, this. If Labour... I hope they do, and I, and I hope I can write a three-and-a-half-thousand-word letter to Jeremy Corbyn as well. Dear comrade... Yeah, are you actually in the Labour Party? I used to be. I quit when Jeremy Corbyn won. Well, I've got to say, me too, but there you go. I quit. I, I, I couldn't... Po- well, I gave him about three or four I, months. I think I actually quit before Jeremy Corbyn won. I think I might have quit in, in the Ed Miliband period. No, I, I was still there then, but I um, I had been a member since I was 16, and I was... Um, I just I could not get behind uh, someone who's, who's uh, for all intents and purposes a communist. I was so embarrassed when John McDonnell passed the red book across the across that the dispatch box. Embarrassing I mean, moment. it's just an absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Anyway, we veered off from, we veered from off. this letter, haven't we? Yes, it was a very good letter. <clears throat> it's a very long letter. Mm. There are two strands to it, aren't they? Mm. One, my suspension stroke expulsion has been handed dis- handled disgracefully yeah. and I will not go quietly. Uh, basically, they asked Alistair Campbell to accept a suspension rather than an expulsion, which would then be suspended and investigated, and B, he had to sign up to saying he would vote for the Labour Party in the next election mm-hmm. and everyone should vote for the Labour Party in the next election and he... Uh, so that was strand A, and strand B is that he can't sign up to that because of the Labour Party's confusing, ever-shifting and ever-shifty policy on Brexit. Yep. And um, and as he rightly writes uh, in this piece, which I would urge you to read... Read it. Um, who, who knows, tactically, who... You know, can, you, can we... Can we say to we we can't say to everybody listening to this you should definitely vote Labour or you should definitely vote not vote Labour or you should definitely vote Lib Dem or Green in this election the next election next general election it is entirely going to depend on which constituency you live in yeah. and picking the best candidate who has got the most likely choice of unseating or beating a Brexit uh, candidate a pro Brexit candidate yeah so that's what he's saying yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's read all the whole enough. piece. And he's also saying Jeremy <clears throat> Corbyn's leadership is abysmal. Absolutely, which even people who voted for Jeremy Corbyn and support Jeremy Corbyn now and now seem to be saying. A, a very good mate of mine who I was with last night, who's a, a, been a huge supporter of Jeremy Corbyn throughout, and also didn't like the Alistair Campbell article and was criticising it when we met and doesn't like Alistair Campbell for many of the uh, reasons yeah. that we talked about before, yeah. the Iraq thing, the, the fact that he is a Blairite, yeah. um, did say I think Keir Starmer would probably do a much better job. So, yeah. there yeah. you go. Yeah, well, me too. You know, I'm a big fan of Keir. You love him. Hair, hair. respects hair. Respects hair, And yeah. me, you and Keir... We've got strong hair. We've got hair. <laughs> We've got strong hair, my friends. <laughs> Keir's a dude. I love Keir. He would do a fantastic job. Um... And uh, well, just briefly on there, because I've started to get that feeling as well. What would be Keir Starmer's slogan? Um, he's here, he's Keir. He's on the... in beer. <laughs> <laughs> he should do a laddie campaign. If you want a Stormer, we're going to have a Stormer with Starmer. <laughs> Stormer with Starmer? Yeah. Um, 
Uh, he's a knight, isn't he? Yes, sir, Keister. He's a knight as well. Fancy a good knight. <laughs> With Sir Keir. <laughs> 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 I w- I've told this story before, but I'll quickly tell it again. I was in a room once with twelve women. Yeah. End of story. And uh, good, yeah. and we were awaiting the arrival. Of was this Sir- when you were the accused <laughs> facing, the, <laughs> facing the jury? <laughs> no, but that's a no, good gag. That's another one. We were in <laughs> we were in a law firm, um, and there was twelve women in this room, and we were awaiting Sirkia Starmer, not Sirkia at the time. And uh, I went down to reception to greet him, and we went upstairs in the lift. That's the first time I'd ever met him. And we walked into the room, and the whole room just went, <sighs> women adore him. Women do- adore him, men want to be him. Yeah, and, and it's not until, I think, um, you actually see him in the flesh that you realise what... He's a bit like... I, I never met Bill Clinton, but people say that Bill Clinton walks into a room and everyone just stops, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though he's a bit well, of a... you would do. You'd go, what's Bill Clinton doing <laughs> Especially if you're in a bell in Norwich. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, <laughs> hey, is that all... Bit- is that Bill, Bill Clinton there? Is that Bill... Yeah, it is. It is. Is that, Hillary? Is that his daughter <laughs> with it? <him? laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's a, he's a, yeah, he, he speaks a lot of sense. He, he, I like him. He's good. But do you think that that Corbyn is as in as much danger as he's ever been as Labour leader right now? Very much so. But I Me also too. think that there is. I think that there is. Um, well, he's in incredible danger which I don't think he can get himself out of, but I don't think that anyone will move uh, against him until no. there's been a general election. Yes. And now then, if there is one... Which is and this very is dangerous th- for the Labour Party. Yeah, so let's say Boris takes that ten-point lead into the election election and wins it and gets yeah. these 300 MPs or whatever to Libs 224, whatever it is. Yeah. Gets a decent working majority, right? Corbyn wouldn't stand down, I don't think, would he? No, I think he would have to stand down. But we 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 thought he would have to stand down when a hundred no, people resigned. No, I think he would probably want to. Well, yeah, but I think he would want to stand down under uh, those circumstances. Wrong. But only because he knows that somebody like you know a, a fresh clone would would pop off the um, you know such as the membership of the Labour Party at the moment. You know, the, the next leader of the Labour Party, <clears throat> as much as we would love it to be Keir Starmer. Jess Phillips, whoever else, Yvette Cooper, mm. you know, Super is, Cooper is is incredibly able and would be uh, amazing. Is not it's it's very unlikely to be any of those three. It's much more likely to be John McDonnell, Rebecca Long Bailey, or Angela Rayner. None of whom I think are particularly good. Angela Rayner, I think, is okay. Yeah. John McDonnell, I think, is okay. Rebecca Long Bailey, I don't rate. At well, all. John McDonnell has got far, is far more wherewithal with regards to getting and getting a, a vote that he's not a left vote out. I think yes. uh, he's he's learned, he's improved, he's much better than he was when they first were were thrown into the limelight. But I still don't trust him. Yeah, yeah. Did you see Emily Thornberry's escape from her box as well? Uh, yes. She said briefly, a brief moment of freedom. She's and she, one what with did great she say? Hair. We'd be crackers, we'd be lunatics not to do it, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then she was. Swiftly have you seen tracked Monst- down and neutralised. Have you seen Monsters Inc? Uh, I have seen Monsters Inc. Yeah. It's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. As far as kids films go. Yeah. Um, actually, there are some really good kids films. Have you seen Inside Out? Uh, is that the one with Amy Poehler? Yes. The, where the sort of teenager and the people in her head. Yes, I have seen that. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the the receptionist on Monsters Inc. The receptionist on Monsters Inc. Spit of Emily, Emily Thornberry. Thornberry with the hair. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Anyway, enough, enough. We need to speak about the 
the um, Doctor Evil. Doctor Evil, yeah. The Forces of Darkness. Good, yes. Who am I talking about? Uh, is it Dominic Cummings? Oh, I was nodding there. That's no good for a podcast. No, is it's it? not. No, it's better to do it. In, so, in Dominic Cummings. Audio terms. Dominic Cummings. Well, because last week was so. That's why we had to cancel the charades bit <laughs> that we used to do. I really liked day. that. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, that I enjoyed it. Fun. It didn't go. The listenership weren't that keen. Yeah, exactly. That's maybe that... why our Nigel Farage ventriloquist dummy won't <laughs> quite work. But we should do it. <laughs> yeah. Bring her off! Hey, Nigel, get away, get away. What would you like now? Got to look here, got to look here. I'm a fag. Yes, Dominic Cummings. So, made famous perhaps beyond the likes of us wonky political types by um, Dominic. Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. What's he called? Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Dr. What did Strange. I call him? Dominic Cumberbatch. Dominic Cumberbatch. Dominic. And ben- Benedict Cummings. <laughs> 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 um, uh, he was the mastermind, you could say, behind the He was the, ma- the mastermind. I like yes, the I've way you, posh. You've gone posh now. <laughs> yeah. He was the mastermind. Okay. Ma- mastermind. Oh, all right, that's better. He was yeah. the mastermind. Good, mastermind. Right, yeah. I think I always said it with an R there. The mastermind. Um, like bath or bath? Uh, I'd probably just have a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Bath. <laughs> Grass. Garage. Grass, good, yeah. Uh, I'm up and down. It's the, it's the same for me. I've not, lived in, I've not lived in the north of England for many, many years. Me either. Uh, so, yes, Dominic uh, Cumberbatch. No, do, uh, Benedict oh. Cumberbatch. Dominic Cummings. Dominic Cummings. Played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. In, I can't remember what it was called now. You quite liked it, didn't you? Uh, I did. Channel 4 yes. um, sort of uh, dramatisation of the Leave Campaign. Yeah. I thought, it was, I thought it was very good. Benedict Cumberbatch, his accent, like your own, was a bit wavy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm one actually minute, from the North. One minute he talked like Sherlock Holmes <laughs> and the other minute he was like, why, hey, man? <laughs> I did an impression of the Queen on the podcast last week. Did I you? before. Can you do it again? <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> so Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch What's, yeah. yeah Dom. Dominic Cummings. Dom. Have um, you seen the clocks that he's put up, by the way? No, tell me. So, remember how he put up a big uh, clock, yeah. didn't he, um, in, the, uh, in the Vote Leave campaign room? It works for a big clock. This, and it said this many days till freedom mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. this many mm-hmm. hours till freedom. <clears throat> there, are, there are now uh, digital clocks up in um, several government departments saying this many hours till we leave the EU. Wow. Is it a bit like 24? Remember that? Yeah, it's exactly like do, that, yeah. Do, 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 do. Did you watch that? That's right. Damn it, Chloe. Yeah. He used to say, didn't he? Chloe, she could do anything, that woman, couldn't Chloe? she? Chloe? Yeah. Yeah, she was brilliant, yeah. Um, and But the first series had a little monologue at the start, didn't it, where he said, my name is Chuck Bauer. Yeah. I work for the intelligence services of the United States of America. Today has been the longest day of my life. That's Drink, right. That's what Dominic Cummings hears in his ears when he, he's cycling in. Is he a no, cycler? I, I think he just hears the lamentation of women <clears> and <throat> sort of crashing and... Clanging and well, possibly he clanging chimes of doom. I think is what the it clanging is. chimes of doom. One of my favourite lyrics. Yes, uh, he uh, he Dominic is a, a is a character certainly isn't a career he? Career psychopath uh, is what uh, David Cameron, David called, Cameron him. called him. He is a um, a difficult figure. Yeah, he is easy to caricature as evil. Yeah, um, just because he spouted a load of lies in the. But he looks, he looks it as well, doesn't he? I mean, he's evil. He does look it. Yeah, he does look slightly evil. Do you think... Because there are moments, aren't there, in private, for all of us, when we'll do something perhaps out of character, like stroke a kitten, yeah. or 
you know, I did something very much out of character in, in Pret a Manger. That's French for ready to eat. Earlier oh, on, that's good. Yeah. And do you know what that was? Uh, what was it? I let someone in front of me in the queue. Did you? Yeah. Who was it? Old lady. Oh, very nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think what he ever? She, what was she having in Pret a Manger? Uh, she, uh, she was having a uh, she was having a lobster roll. The lobster rolls are very nice. I'm, I don't know. I was tempted. They are nice, but I went for the chicken and bacon um, baguette. They're very small. The lobster rolls. They are small and, and expensive. And what I couldn't. Lobster? I couldn't see lobsters not cheap. I'm having lobster tomorrow night. Lobster and steak tomorrow night. Oh, are you? Very good. No. Oh, I am also having lobster tomorrow night. Oh, we're not going to be on a, awkwardly on a table next to each other, are we? Uh, where, uh, well, it depends on where we go. Top going. of Timber Hill. Top of Timber Hill? No, I'm not going there. All right. Uh, I'm going to the Gunton Arms. Oh, I'm not welcome there, I don't think. Uh, so Norfolk's greatest country pub. Yeah, well, I would like to go and see the art. Anyway, Dominic Cummings, that's our weekend plans, listener. If you fancy it, yeah. coming, if you're in Norwich, come and see us. Uh, Dominic Cummings, the mastermind behind the Vote Leave campaign. He was the guy who put the 350 on the side of the bus and told everyone to stop worrying yeah. about it, even though it was fairly clear it wasn't in, from within inside the, um, yeah. the campaign that it was not true and they were going to have to carry on talking about it for ages. Yeah. He's very much the guy that gets it done at any cost. And I think when I heard... I mean, last week, amid all the chaos of last week, the night of the blonde knives and... All, all that, I think the fact that Dominic Cummings had been brought into number 10 was perhaps overshadowed by all that. But, you know, there were a lot of people who I was speaking to who were saying, that's massive. That is as big as whoever's going to be the Chancellor or whoever's yeah, going to yeah, be the yeah. Home Secretary. Um, because of the style of politics that he does. And it's a, and it's a very strange style. And he practices this thing, which I know you do as well, yes. called game theory. That's right. Do you, yeah. Can you can you explain it to us? No. No. Have you tried? Did you actually read anything around it? No. All oh, right. <laughs> well, I did. Go on. And it's it's tricky. Go. On. He's written three blogs. He's a big blogger. He is a big blogger. Yeah. And he wrote three a series of three blogs on um, the game theory. Good. They're all about ten thousand words long. Great. Okay. And uh, it. The first one starts with this quote. Good. What can be of... It starts with about ten quotes, actually, but this is the first quote. I was always told, never start never start an essay with a quote, but, you know. What can be avoided? Whose end is purposed by the mighty gods? Yet Caesar shall go forth, for these predictions are to the world in general, as to Caesar. Right. Who's Who's that? Who said that? Yeah. Was it um, Sid James and Carry On Cleo? <laughs> Who did he play? He played Mark Antony, didn't he? It was not. It, it was, was Julius Caesar. It was Julius Caesar. So it was Talking Kenneth about Will- himself. Can you do it in a Kenneth- Kelly Williams voice? <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Um, he, it, so Ooh, Caesar no. talking about himself in the third person. I wasn't Kenneth Williams either. No. Kenneth Williams was brilliant, wasn't he? There's lots of quotes, um, lots of quotes from lots of people on this um, by Dominic Cummings. Um, uh, he, I, I will quote now Dominic Cummings in the conclusion of this massive piece yes. of work on the game theory. The, see, so he's, he's spoken about game theory for a long time. Basically, game theory is, um, well, uh, they call it... They, well, it's very complicated, and I'm not too sure I'm the one to, should explain it to you, but it, it's a theory which he is applying to his politics, uh, which... Um, can be about doing the exact opposite of what your opponent might expect. It's right. quite disruptive. Right. Um, 
there's different, lots of different strands to it, as you might expect, but it's a book, a big book worth of stuff to explain. I can't do it here. Go and find out for yourselves. But this is his conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. In England, less than 10% per year leave school with formal training in basics. What would you think those basics might be? Those basics? Yeah, well, basics. With formal... T- less than 10%? Less than 10%. Leave- this is Dominic Cummings writing this. Leave school per year without formal training... Sorry, with formal training... With formal training, basics, yeah. Less than 10%. Yeah, with, in basics, such as... Dot, 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 dot. What such do you think as, the basics well, are? reading, writing and arithmetic. You'd think so, wouldn't you? No, I'll, I'll quote Dominic again. With formal training in basics such as normal disruptions and conditional probability... <laughs> I will continue. Less than one percent are well educated in the basics. Basics. The basics, yeah. Of how to un- of the unreasonable effectiveness of mathematics provides the language of nature and a foundation of our scientific civilization. Only a small subset of that less than one percent then study transdisciplinary issues concerning complex systems. This number has zero approximate overlap with powerful decision-makers. Great. Yeah. T- thank God he hasn't been given the education brief. <laughs> yeah, well, well, well. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you've given that to Gavin Williamson, haven't yeah. you? He goes on, he goes on to talk about... Um, how, he's always talking about children should Generally, be educated. Yeah, so these. he can learn how to not dob people in. Yeah. Generally, they are badly, this is students, or narrowly educated and trained. Even elite universities offer courses such as PPE, which, of course, we talked yeah. about before, um, that are thought to prepare future political decision-makers but are clearly inadequate and in some ways damaging, giving people like Cameron and Ed Balls false confidence. One in the value of their acquired bluffing skills. Yes. That has been actually... James Balls yeah, written a book about yeah, this, yeah. And two, the scientific basis of modern economics forecasts. So really, I don't know what he's talking about, frankly. Um, I could I could agree with some of that PPE stuff. I don't know what he wants 16-year-olds to leave school knowing about normal disruptions and conditional probability. I have no idea. I think probably let's focus on getting their reading age up. Um, but he... he he, uh, yeah, Cameron called him a professional psychopath. He will, he's not willing to stop for anyone or anything, is he, in the pursuit of what he wants? No. Um, in his welcoming speech to special advisers, did you, did you hear no. this? So he, uh, he made it clear um, that although they'll be working for individual ministers, obviously, and yes. they're, they're, are, they're spread thinly, their loyalty must always be to Boris Johnson. Right, yeah. Um, their primary objective, he said, was achieving Brexit by any means necessary. Brilliant. Uh, so he he's also a big fan of. Is it Robin Grissom? Uh, well, I, we could ask him. No, Anne Rand, the Russian American writer, oh, yeah. of course. Um, she uh, she. She was. It's, it's, a little uh, bit of batshit. Um, well, it's right all sort of extreme free marketeers, yes, isn't it? it is, to, yeah, to, yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of. Um, it is about uh, egoism, yes. basically. Egoism, right? So egoism is all about the individual and how important the individual is, etc. Her, 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 one of his favourite books is her novel Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged, yes. yeah. I've not um, read that one. No, I well, I haven't. started to read The Fountainhead. Couldn't, I couldn't read very much of The Fountainhead. I, I have to say, I, I haven't read Anne Rand either. Um, but th- that is. Uh, it's basically. It's dystopian American. Um, a dystopian America. 
private businesses suffer under burdensome laws and regulations. Mm. Um, so, you know, the, the state, I guess you yeah, would yeah. suggest. Um, and a new colony arises of capitalism based on unadulterated individualism, where egoism reigns supreme. Really? Well, egoism certainly reigns supreme in number 10 with Dominic Cummings and Boris Johnson. Absolutely. Uh, and this start, I start to get to think now about whether this plan, this this game theory and Boris Johnson's reason for bringing him in um, and whether Boris thinks as deeply about it as this, I'm not sure but this is a destroy first worry later kind of thing, isn't it? The likes of, you know, the political classes are going to be fine, it's it's, uh, it's a scorched earth Well, it, and from ashes of course green shoots do grow but there's a lot of pain to go through first. Well there, yes, there are absolute ashes aren't there I mean, I, I guess that but there is it, it is the um, it is the opposite, isn't it? The antithesis of Theresa May tiptoeing away yeah. around things, yeah. kicking things down the line, yeah. saying it's all going to be okay, and then uh, and then uh, jumping w- into something at the last minute, which people failed to um, sign up to. Chaos. It is, it's getting all the it's getting the, the, the all the bad stuff out right at the start, isn't it? But I do think there is a, a as I said at the start, there's a huge danger for Boris Johnson in this because because people fundamentally and, and for Dominic Cummings <coughs> people they are going to have to persuade people that no deal, which we find out we found out on Thursday, Mark Carney believes that no deal that there's a one in three chance that no deal will lead to a recession. Uh-huh. We know that we are now proposing to borrow 2.1 billion to fund um, a, a, a ridiculous um, program that's been set out by um, the um, Sajid Javid, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, yeah. um, which includes stuff like we're going to recruit um, how many uh, how many border we're going to recruit we're going to recruit hire and train. 500 new border guards mm. by the end of October. Not true. No, we're not. We're not going to be able to do that. We're going to cre- buy, build, buy, hire new stock, new warehouses, which we will use to stockpile medicine. Yeah. By the end of October, we're not going to be able to do that. How, how are we going to make these warehouses fit to, to stockpile medicine? We're going to spend £138 million on a PR campaign telling us not to worry about um, no deal. Remember, these are the people, by the way, who were outraged when the government spent £9 million on a leaflet that said, well, we think we should stay in the UK, but it's up to you. Whatever you say, we will implement, which is the cause of a lot of this trouble in the first place. There's even a suggestion now that we are about to advertise in loads of European newspapers saying we're not bluffing, you know. A picture of Boris Johnson saying, make my day. I mean, we are spending... But that is typical. That that would be typical (coughs) Cummings. And do you know what, though? Here's another thing. Rich people make money on the back of chaos and destruction. Well, they do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a chaos theory thing, isn't it? Game theory equals um, chaos theory. But this is going to be the most expensive assisted suicide in history. Mm. I know, you know, I think that it is very, very... Maybe they're getting, as you say, maybe he's getting all the bad news out of the way first. Like something let's, like Thatcher let's did. flush it all out, let's get it all out of the, the, the way, and then we could um, navigate a way through it. But he's, but he's not going to but he's not going to go over that hump by March next year when I think there'll be a general election. No, I won't. So we're going to have to be we're going to have to somehow keep people sweet. A, until I then. think there might be a general election in November. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. We have spoken enough for now. 
Would you join me again for Brexit of the Week shortly? No. Hello, I'm Matt Kelly, and I'm the editor of The New European, the newspaper that brings you this podcast. Every week, The New European is committed to providing in-depth reports and analysis about the progress and implications of Brexit. We also celebrate Europe in our great cultural and arts section, Europhile. And we do it uniquely from a Remainer perspective. We think we are making a difference. We think it's important that there's a voice balancing, even if only in a small way, the dominant right-wing media voices that prevailed before and since the referendum. If you think what we're doing is important, you can help us. The best way to help us is by subscribing. Just now, there's a special offer. You get 13 issues for just £13. That's a heavy discount from the £3 an issue retail price point. And if you subscribe now, you also get a free Bollocks to Brexit mug. It's very easy. All you have to do is go onto your search engine and put in New European Subscription and you'll find the link. Thank you for your support and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Jerry, here you are, in all your glory. You can't hit go in the middle of our private conversation. Well, don't tell me private things. You don't know when I eat go. No, I don't. You're gonna have, you are now going to have to listen to the pod to find out what is on it. Do you remember, we have had cutting issues before with the pod. Do you remember the time when I, midway through my little end, um, that was the New European podcast, went, oh, F, 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 and then started again? Famously. Do you, was there any, has there been any others? There was one, There oh. was one with, a, with an unsavoury joke. <laughs> there was. There was. One with an unsavoury joke, and the colour, um, the colour slid from my face for about an hour, as I wondered whether or not I would be asked to leave the building. Yeah, um, I wasn't. Good. Uh, but there is still time. Is that because no one in the building listens? <laughs> it's when nobody listens. That's not true, actually. No, We've got listeners. lots of listeners. We have got very impressive listener stats. We are always in the Apple top one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> On day of release, we often make it into the top ten. We do. Times five. And, uh, no, we, we really have. And if you are a sponsor, please do get in touch and we can tell everyone about your wonderful products. But in the meantime, well, I want to talk to you about not just number ten director of communications, which mm. is obviously a rather big sought-after job, but general... Um, we've spoken about Dom Cummings yeah. quite a lot. Um, and he, Oh, his evilness, as he asks to be called. Um so we would probably try and steer away from him, but some of the more obvious, you know, press spokesmen and uh, director of comms and people like that that yeah. are in and around the prime minister. But, oh, this is on the back of it wasn't a revelation to me because full disclosure, Lee Kin, who is the new director of comms at Number Ten, he's a very close friend of mine um, and a really good chap, and I won't have a word uh, bad said about him. But he was also the mirror chicking um, way back in 2010. So this is a job that um, maybe we should explain it for some of our overseas listeners. There's a very big tradition in this country of newspapers not only being informative, but also being a bit fun. Yeah. Um, and the Mirror certainly had a lot of fun with their politics um, coverage during the uh, elections in recent years. In 2010, that was probably the biggest year, actually. Certainly the one when the chicken... I think the chicken was brought back around 2010. Yeah, because the chicken was definitely around in, like, 97. Yes, so way back the chicken was around. And he ch- basically is a trainee reporter chasing around after a chicken. Now, no, Lee, in a chicken. Uh, not chasing after <laughs> chasing a politician. A training reporter dressed as a chicken chasing politicians, and the reason I think in '97 
And correct me if I'm wrong, they were chasing around after John Major because he wouldn't do a televised debate. They chickened out of it. Chickened out of it. They ch chased around after Lee in 2010, who wasn't by any means a training reporter back then, but um, was... Put one to of laugh, them, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, dressing up as a chicken. He was actually the political editor. <laughs> like, dressing up as a chicken. Would, um, would turn up and chase around David Cameron, but also Nick Clegg as well. He certainly... Um, chased around Nick Clegg as well, so he had a big part to play in that. And if you ever, see, if you go back and look at the coverage, he's always in the background with his chicken suit on. And there is, I swear, I haven't dreamt this—a picture of, um, and I think it's Clegg. In fact, I described this to you earlier on the weekend, didn't you? Clegg giving some kind of press conference, and there's all the lobby hacks there. Who Lee obviously now and has done for years has to work very closely with, and Lee's in the background with the chicken head under his arm. <laughs> Um, off duty. <laughs> off duty, yeah. And I know, I know full well that the lobby, when the chicken arrives, go, oh, God, here's the chicken, you know. Um, and he does get a bit sticky. So it's our job. Um, he was a, you know, Lee was a jobbing journalist, and I worked with him a little bit after that, and he's a top guy, former chicken, now director of comms at number 10. Who would have thought it? There was that great bit, though, wasn't there, on the um, <clears throat> on the Atlantic about being the mirror chicken. Yeah. Oh, that's a brilliant article. Yeah. yeah. It's really great. Um, but some of the details are minging, like how your breath condenses in the beak oh. and then it like forms, uh, forms a pool of water if yeah. you yeah. throw your head back too quickly oh. and get splashed by it. Oh, man. And, of course, you could be taking over and shift from, well, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got... Um, I have. Have you ever met the Mirror Chicken? I have not met Only the Only a matter chicken. of time. I've met the Mirror Chicken a few occasions. The last time I saw the Mirror Chicken was at the Mirror um, party on Coronation Street, at which what, what, two or three years ago, maybe maybe longer, actually, maybe four years ago, at the um, at conference. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, uh, there is a picture of me and Chicken, which I then sent to Lee and asked if it was him. It wasn't. <laughs> um, so the, the gags about Lee being the Mirror Chicken are long and well known through the whole of the lobby. In fact, I'm surprised it's taken... This long, I think it's quite nice that it was the mirror that oh, did like so our, our our man now head of, um, you know, former mirror man now head of comms. But it is one of those roles that um, I think I can't think of anyone that I knew who was um, that sort of spin doctor role prior to Bernard Ingham. Sure. So would you agree that that is the sort of he was the start of the modern spin doctor, the modern director of comms? Role? Yeah, the kind of role that we know now where there's kind of a very public. Facing exactly. highly paid, yeah, powerful yeah, role yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Bernard, of course, uh, Yorkshireman. Mm -hmm. I, I've met him twice. Have you? I saw him speak at the WI in Honley, I think it was. WI? Yeah, yeah, when I was a, a cub reporter. He was very kind. And then I saw him again um, at the Yorkshire Press Awards when oh. I was cruelly cruelly snubbed for Young Reporter of the Year back in about, I don't know, 1980. It was last year and you were no longer young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it would, it would have been about 2003, I guess. Uh -huh. I was, were you I young really, then? I'm still, no, but I'm still fuming about that because I really was robbed because the woman who won, right, absolutely true, the woman who won, it was a lift of my exclusive <laughs> that I didn't even put in because it wasn't good enough to go in mine. Can you believe that? Can you believe she won with a lift? Anyway, Bernard Ingham that night was slow hand-clapped off stage. It's absolutely Ooh. true. <laughs> absolutely true. I tell you, Yorkshire journalists are brutal. They, um... Bernard Ingham or you? No, not me. No, I wasn't allowed on stage, so I didn't win, much to my, much to my anger. He was slow hand-clapped off stage after giving quite a long speech, and then he said, he then said, you editors in the audience should be ashamed of yourselves for sacking all the industrial correspondents. <laughs> 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 to which a lot of them said, well... 
you've closed all the industry down, <laughs> Bernard. Um, but he, I think he's probably his most famous moment was when... Uh, um, oh, his name escapes me now. When Thatcher came out and said that she would be running in the second ballot mm-hmm. when... So I think his most famous moment, of course, was when Margaret Thatcher left that uh, meeting in Paris and, and John Sargent was on the steps ready to report on it and, and he sort of burst in and Thatcher handbagged him out of the way and that, that was him. Um, he, he was saying, where's the microphone, where's the microphone? And John Sargent went, yeah, the BBC. You'll, you won't remember that, but I remember watching it live on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts on Bernard? Methods? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the start of what we see now, isn't it, with... Um, the kind of briefings and stuff like that, and that modern kind of spin that we see, you know, when when he'd meet with with lobby journalists, you know, the, in in similar ways that you do now, when you report his words, they attribute to sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, obviously it's the other side of the fence, but I I am amused that every time um, Labour sources is mentioned on Twitter, you've just got. Shares Milne's name over and over in the replies underneath. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that is the way it works, isn't it? Absolutely. And and I think that was the beginning of the modern era, really, yeah. with Bernard Dingham. Who who's who's next and of note, do we think? Next and of note? Well, not necessarily chronologically, but of course we've got our editor at large, yeah, yeah. Alistair Campbell. But almost certainly the most famous Absolutely. Um uh, press spokesman, director of comms, whatever. Um, Deputy Prime Minister, if you go what some would say. Yeah, well, most powerful man in Britain, mm-hmm. in fact, he's been referred or was referred to at a, a certain time and hugely influential. And this was a step beyond um, Ingham's influence, which I think, if you watched an excellent BBC documentary about the Thatcher years, which I strongly recommend. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the excellent BBC documentary, The Thick of It. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, Bernard is often, uh, you know, says, well, I said this and didn't pay any attention. You know, Alistair Campbell's control over the Labour machine, certainly in the run-up to the 97 election, was absolute. And the trust, quite rightly, that Tony Blair put in him during that period... Um, was extraordinary. I, I um, once had a meeting with a chap who worked under Alistair um, during that period who said that, that it was such an exciting time. You know, mm-hmm. they were they were terrified of Alistair, but in a good way. Um, he was just absolutely full-on, completely one goal, had to get there, and there was nothing going to get in the way. And Tony Blair would take, um, n- not just take his counsel, but, but a- actively seek it out. You know, he... He was very much a part of the decision process. Would you say, and I'm sure Alistair, um, who of course is a friend of this pod and a friend um, of the New European, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me asking this question, do you think he became too powerful? So I think there's a massive <clears throat> difference between kind of what what Alistair did and um, people like um, Gordon Brown, Spinner, Charlie Whalen and things like that, because look at Bernard Ingham and how he constantly tried to keep out of the public eye. Yeah. Whereas the roles later, you know, Alistair was regularly in front of the cameras. Famously, of course, on Channel 4 News, exactly. he, uh, he, he, he he sort of burst into uh, to the studio and, and, and made some very vehement points uh, yeah. live, live on air. So I think too powerful is one thing, very much present and known by people. Mm. And, you know, Labour, New Labour were not afraid to advertise the fact that they were spinning things. Do you think that there is, though, um, th- you know, the, the, the media environment was very different, Are we are, and, and very different now, of course. We had we had 24-hour rolling news by the time Tony Blair took office in 97. Mm-hmm. Um, I think perhaps 
there had, you know, I'm not sure that the press were any sharper tooth than they were in in the 80s, in the 90s or noughties. But um, the other thing is, Alistair is a very quotable, very, and of course, you know, then former and now current again journalist who knows what he's doing, knows how this works. Yeah. Worked very closely as a news editor and as a correspondent with the lobby and knew how it worked absolutely at that moment in time. Absolutely. Um, do you think that he trusted himself probably more than anyone else to get the message across? Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Whereas I don't think we're in an environment nowadays with everything so fragmented that you can have that because the message from one part of the party is completely different to the other part, to another part, to another part. Yeah, yeah. And things are so broken apart that as soon as someone, say if it was, you know, Alistair Modern Day, he might go on, like say Channel 4 News and say what he wants to say, but then get attacked from within the own, his own party mm. and it's mm. just not sustainable. Mm. Mm. Well, we did speak about Alistair's um, letter quite a lot in the, in the news section, of course, and he remains very much in the news, doesn't he, whether he, he likes it or not. And I think there's probably, um, and, you know, um, talking about BBC documentary, an excellent documentary about Alistair on mental health. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic there, maybe three or four months ago. Um, but I think Alistair wrestles with whether he should be in the news or not often, you know, and wrestles with whether he enjoys it or not. I, I, I don't know if that's true, but I get that feeling from him. Um, so then where do we go next after Alistair? <laughs> Probably the most controversial, even more controversial perhaps. Go on. Coulson. Yeah. Ended up in the clink. <laughs> doesn't get worse than that, really, does it? He was, you know what, he was in the prison very close to where I lived at the time. Did you go visit him? I didn't. I, I used to run quite like it was a open prison, you know, Category D she prison. She the window. And I used to run near the prison, and I often thought maybe I should just give him a shout. Andy! Andy! <laughs> uh, he went to prison for his role in the... Um, Phone hacking. Yeah, and the misdeeds of our tabloid newspapers during the noughties, because he was a former editor of The Sun. Yeah. And uh, so he that was after his time as director of comms for David Cameron. Mm. But there was questions raised about his appointment when he when he was appointed was appointed um and uh you know the the cameron and osborne were very supportive of him they were very close of course to rebecca brooks and yeah of course. people like that so so coulson um he what type of director of commerce was he he wasn't he certainly wasn't as aggressive as alistair no and not so much mm. in the public eye no, although <laughs> probably the... because he thought i'd rather not <laughs> i'd rather not really expose myself to that I think, yeah, definitely a lot more controlled, a lot more in the background and maybe a bit more advisory than taking taking the stage himself. Yeah, he was certainly a quieter character yeah. um, than, than Alistair Campbell. Do you, and, and then do, should we talk about Theresa May's... Because actually, Lee was in Number 10 yeah. with Theresa May for a brief time, but very much more junior role than he's got now. Yeah, yeah, that's Robbie Gibb, isn't it? yeah. But perhaps the two. So what about mm. what about Mr. Gibb then? Well, former BBC. BBC yeah. yeah, that's more. That's more what I was kind of getting at at a time when, um, you know, you see hear some of the uh, internal emails that were sent from him to ex BBC colleagues, yeah. and um, I think this is probably often the problem that uh, government spin doctors face when they go over to the other side. Absolutely. People say, and come on, you know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a really interesting one, especially difficult for a former BBC. Yes, BBC um, especially. I think. I mean, I know and have known lots of people who've done that. No one ever, no one personally ever as high up as as, uh, as Leah's got. 
Um, and it is difficult because you have been on the other side of the phone yeah. and, and being the journalist. You know, it is poacher turned gamekeeper. Um, w- would you ever consider it? Depends what the price is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Material girl, Jerry Scott. Nah, I don't Show fancy me the it. money. I think it must be really tough yeah. to one day be writing stuff that... I mean, one of the greatest things of being a journalist is writing things people don't want you to write. Yeah. To then have to try and stop them being written. And On the other hand, I, I, this is not, a, not at such a massive level, but I do find the best press officers tend to be former journalists. Oh, there's no doubt about that, because they understand how the yep. world works. I absolutely believe that that's true. Do you think that that's where the likes of um, Tim and Fiona fell down a little bit in not understanding how the press worked? And... Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was it was a disaster was, for yeah, them. Yeah. I mean, I know that they weren't... Director of Con, I think they were chief of staff, but yeah. they, but a lot of these it jobs meld in into each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and you know, just just a disaster of their promotion of Theresa May, almost as a brand in herself, was yeah, absolutely critical for for kind of that downfall. And um, I don't know, I do quite like to note that um, Boris's Telegraph slot, oh, yes, uh, <laughs> That's right. has has gone over to Nick, hasn't it? <laughs> Nick Timothy is going to do the. It's going to. I I don't imagine it'll be as entertaining as when Boris did it. No. Um, so, just I mean, my my thoughts on uh, on on Lee. I think he's unlikely to be a a um, an Alistair Campbell type figure. I can't see him uh, ringing up news desk and, and shouting and bawling. That's not his style. He's very well liked in the lobby, and I know that is something that is. You know, you see all the time whenever a spad moves up or down, it's you know well liked in the lobby. It's a little bit like um, you know spending more time with your family, um, <laughs> it, but but he really is, uh, and and he spent a good you know he he left he left uh, his former job to go and work for Vote Leave and um, and built up some really good relationships with people. Then he'd been out of frontline. Um, hacking for a little while so there was a whole new group of people that he had to meet and he's built up some really good relationships with them I think he gets what he wants by being um, you know a a nice chap and and sort of quiet in the way he goes about things but what what absolutely is true is that he's a really sharp brain, agree with him politically or not, he's a really sharp guy, you don't get to that sort of level without being and he's been picking winners now for a good few years Um, so we will see what happens next. Of course, I don't really wish his boss all the best, but I certainly wish Lee all the best. Um, and I think it would be great if when he leaves, he sticks that chicken out for Oh, God, yeah. Wanders down Downshire, however long that may be. I'm sure he's got a bright future ahead of him. Quickly, though, <laughs> favourite spin doctor ever? Oh, God. Um, There's only one, Jerry, surely. It's got to be Alistair Campbell, isn't it? Alistair? Yeah. Well, it's Malcolm Tucker, isn't it? <laughs> there we go. Favourite Malcolm Tucker quote? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Oh, God. Don't put me on the spot like that. All right, I'll give you two. Go on, right? let me pick. I like... Can we, can we say them on the pod? Well, I, I, <laughs> I will have to bleep it out. My pen's at the ready to mark it down. I like... <laughs> the f*** in, or f*** the f*** off. And I also like about as much use as a blancmange... <laughs> <laughs> Let's have them both. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back, Steve. It's time to do Brexiteer of the Week. It is. Mm. Before we do, as is now customary, I just want to big up a couple of things in the print edition of this week's New European. You could also find them online at neweuropean.co.uk, by the way. People love it. Uh, 
One is something that I've done. I've interviewed a woman called uh, Peggy Grande. Yeah. She's a very nice lady. She, she used to work for uh, Ronald Reagan. Oh. Uh, she is the chair of World Ch- for Brexit. She's the chairwoman. She's the chair no, of on World for Brexit, um, which is a pro-leave fundraising campaign. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, on g- the day that Nigel, that uh, Boris Johnson became prime minister, mm. Nigel Farage wasn't in London. No. He was in New York yeah. at the launch of this thing. Yeah. It essentially is a um, a fundraising campaign which is going to raise money from anonymous individuals in America who can give up to £5,000 and retain their anonymity. Mm. Obviously, you can give a lot more and not retain your anonymity. As are the rules. And then, I believe, this money will be funnelled somehow to support uh, Brexit and no-deal causes. Nigel Farage isn't, you know, he's not, uh, he's not got a role within the organisation but the money seems to be coming to... Enough, Nigel. And um, and I sort of said to, to, to Peggy Grande, isn't it a bit strange that a, a movement for British independence, a so-called movement for British independence, is, um, is being funded by a lot of anonymous Americans? And she said, well, I suppose you could see it like that, but how we see it is that there is a big Remain establishment in the UK which is crushing the pluck, the plucky Brexiteer yeah. stuff and denying them airtime. She said it's, it feels like Nigel Farage is a bit of a lone voice, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. And I had to say, well, not really, not if yeah. you live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and she believes that... Um, I mean, you know, I disagreed with everything that, that Peggy Grande said to me, uh, apart from when she said, I'm enjoying this conversation, there should be more civility of political discourse yes. between... Well, we can all opponents. get behind that, yeah. Um, and despite the fact that I come on here every week and make fun of Brexiteers, I actually do believe that. And Absolutely. some of the most rewarding conversations that I've actually had have been with uh, Brexiteers, because I quite like to know the way they think. We, we like to make fun of them behind their backs. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. In front of their faces. Um, Peggy Grande um, told me that... Um, I said, sort of, isn't this interfering? She said, well, it, it, you know, you could see it as interfering, but there are lots of organisations all across. I said, how would you feel if, well, if like we set up a lot of British lefties like me, we sort of a massive organisation, and we were going to channel money to someone for the purposes Colonel of... Colonel Sanders? F- of Colonel Sanders, yeah, we were going to channel... We're already doing that, aren't we? We're funneling <laughs> my, a lot of my money goes to Ronald McDonald secretly, up to £5,000 anonymously a month. I, I donate to him. But I said to her, how would you feel if we did it and, it, and to destabilise President Trump or to get to encourage Texas to succeed from the, mm. the Union, mm. you know, which would then... Yeehaw! Presumably give the Democrats a, a majority mm. going forward. And she mm. said, well, I wouldn't like that. But things like that are probably happening, aren't they, already? And, yeah. and, and she said that things like this, are, there are resistance movements all over the world, and, mm. and we are just one of them. Yeah. Um, and you should, read the, you, should, you should read the article. I will. Um, Is she related to Ariana? Sh- I don't know, yeah. I didn't ask her that. Mm. Um, Drop but, that ball, um, but for a for a viewpoint that is completely different to ours, for one thing, she also said she she believed that a lot of, well, she said she said, I, I said she said something about elite money being funneled illegally towards the Remain campaign, uh-huh. and I sort of said, well, 
I don't really think that's happening. I know George Soros has given about £800,000. Um, are you saying that this is happening and that people are giving a lot more and it's secretive and illegal? And she said, well, I'm not saying that, but a lot of people are saying it, mm. and it's out there. And I said, a lot of people aren't saying that over here. Yeah. And she said, well, they are over here. Well, it depends which echo chamber you're in. And I it? said, I don't think they are. Mm. And she said, well, there's alternative facts on all sides, aren't there? Well, so no. it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> there it's are a, facts and there are viewpoints. It's a fascinating, um, a fascinating uh, thing to get into the head of somebody who believes the opposite to, to what you believe. Absolutely. And I would urge you to read that, not just because I've written it, just because I thought it was interesting what she yeah, had yeah. to say. Some of it a bit, I found it a bit ludicrous. No doubt she found what I had to say equally ludicrous yeah, too. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to big up is a thing by a guy called Colin McDonald. Yeah. It's not one of the big headline things in this week's New European, which has also got the Alistair Campbell letter. Yeah. Very good piece by John Campner, a great piece from the New York Times about the, the <clears> psychotic <throat> nature of Weirdly, the a picture Trump. of my garden on the front cover. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, and this guy, Doc, Colin MacDonald, is a Cambridge graduate. He's just graduated from Cambridge. Yeah. He was the chairman of the Conservative Association uh, well, at Cambridge. Likely to be a new next Prime Minister. He's Canadian, right, and he's right. talking about the chances of what we're likely to get out of a trade deal with the USA. And he writes, uh, Brexiteers fool themselves if they think securing a trade deal with the US will be easy or indeed manageable at all. As a Canadian, it's always struck me as deluded that the Brits think they have a special relationship with the United States. Our ties to America, that's the ties of mm. <coughs> Canada are more durable and more vital. Well, they're next to them, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, yet the USA does not refrain from imposing steel tariffs, yeah. renegotiating NAFTA to Canada's disadvantage, <clears throat> reopening arbitration on forestry exports to name but three ongoing disputes. Mm -hmm. uh, Canada's been forced to open its agricultural markets, acquiesce to a 150-year time limit, mm -hmm. and allow the US to review other trade agreements Canada sought to establish. As one Can Canadian trade official put it to me, the Americans are bastards. The idea that the same fate will not befall the UK is simply farcical. Absolutely, I agree. Although, something has just struck me. Yes. The, I'm presuming that the, there is some kind of regulatory alignment between the US and Canada because... Well, the North American Free Trade Agreement, right. NAFTA, which is... Yeah. NAFTA, of course, yeah. but, I'm talk, but, you, but you didn't let me finish there. Sorry. I mean, with regards to food and agriculture and stuff. Yes. But there is a trade deal between the EU and Canada. Yes, that's right. So is that not included in that deal? Or? Well, I presume it's not, yeah, no. Interesting. I presume they can't export stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They can't import... Well, we'll look export. into that, I will. Anyway, since my voice is going... The Brexiteers of the week, then. Yes, quick. And um, <coughs> I'll just, I'll, I will rattle through them. Uh, Therese Coffee, you'd be aware of Therese, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> I'm very well aware of Therese Coffee. Yeah. Uh, yes, hold my coffee. <laughs> I'd rather not. Yes. Um, she used to be my MP. Suffolk Coastal. Yes, yeah, Therese my, Coffee. She was my MP uh, for a few years. And on the day Boris Johnson took power, she tweeted, "Here is our six-point plan from our new Conservative leader: Brexit by October 31st." The NHS, schools, police and the economy. Yeah. And then unkind mathematicians yeah. pointed out that this was in fact a five point plan. Yeah. Brexit by October thirty first, that's one. One. NHS two. Two. Schools three, police four, economy five. Yeah. And um she was given so much ridicule that you know what happened to Therese Coffee afterwards? Oh she will have got in a huff and Yeah, she was immediately promoted. Yeah. Uh, to be a middle-ranking Minister of State in the Department for 
environment, food and rural affairs, mm. which Theresa Coffin will no doubt say the title of that, the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, contains four of the most important things uh, that there, uh, there ever are. Um, I'll just talk, there's a point on, on Theresa Coffey. Yes. Um, <clears throat> uh, there is, there is um, a little bit of personal history between me and Theresa. Oh, I've spoken the... to her for a very long time now. Were you married? And we were... <laughs> No, um, she um, the the daggers you got then. The, um, she but she was my MP and yeah. um, and I there you go you you have to go quite a long way to find a nice word within Tory circles about Theresa Coffee. She's not well liked apart from it seems by the new prime minister. Yeah, well she's she's been promoted yeah. from not being able to add up. She's been promoted. It's more just ass kissing, I think. What about Jamie Oliver? Oh, what? Last November, he's a Wally. He's a prize Wally, and he's never been naked. No, but I'm glad about that. Well, me too. But you do feel that, you know, if you fancied him, oh, he's the naked chef. Whoa, we're well, excited! It's 1997, naked chef, not naked at all. Was naked Last about Last November, him. he told a German press agency, "I was against Brexit from the beginning. It's a really, really bad idea." Yeah. Now. He tells the Times, it's divisive, it's split families and workplaces, but I believe in democracy and moving on, and we should get on with it. Yeah. What a silly pucker. Yeah. Did you read that interview? Uh, no. It was... I read that. It was extraordinary. He, he Basically, he was saying, boo-hoo, I'm really sad because my restaurants have all collapsed. Yeah. And the reason, basically, one of the main reasons for them collapsing was that he wasn't doing due diligence on these things. Right. You know, he admitted that. Oh, I had the wall pulled over my eyes and other figures, etc. He said, no-one's ever going to thank me for employing all those people. Yeah, and then them losing their jobs, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's utterly ludicrous. And another thing about Jamie Oliver, do you remember when he used to release albums, compilation albums? Well, the, and, and he'd go, oh, yeah, I really like indie music. And it'd be like... Top um, Loader. Top Loader. And in the Moonlight. <laughs> Ah, oh, what a dreadful man. Now we're moving on to... Well, I suppose that I mean, it's the two fat ladies of, of Brexit are at the, 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 uh, at the top of the pile ooh, here. Ooh. Mark Francois, yeah. in at number two. <laughs> yes, yes. The yes. sort of portly danger, Penfold from Danger Mouse look-alike. <laughs> uh, and um, I, I missed this. I was away. He was on Newsnight, apparently. Yeah. And he referred to uh, the... President of the European Commission as Herr Juncker in his bunker. Mm. Uh, and what a great joke that is. Mm. Jean Claude Juncker, not a hair, he's yeah. from Luxembourg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jean Claude Juncker, unlikely to find jokes about bunkers funny. It's very yeah. clever, by the way, yeah. that you've, you've done a rhyme. Yes, done a rhyme. In 1942, John Claude Juncker's father was one of 10,000 Luxembourgish uh, conscripted into the German <coughs> army. Nearly 3,000 of those were killed. They were forcibly conscripted in mm, it. Mm. And, uh, of course, just another example of Marc Francois's sad obsession with World War II. Um, I don't know if you remember earlier this year, he said that uh, Tom Enders, the CEO of Airbus, was a German paratrooper in his youth, and um, Tom Enders born in 1958. But, finally, the Brexiteer of the Week is Thank Mike God. Harry. <laughs> Mike Parry? Mike Parry. <laughs> Equally <laughs> rotund. And do you know Mike? I do know Mike Parry. I know him vaguely. Yeah, me too. Vaguely. I know him, I've only ever met him in pubs and <laughs> at Cheltenham. He used to ring me quite a lot. Great. <clears throat> Late at night, you Yes, I can imagine. 
Uh, rotund journalist. Yes. Sometimes on TalkSport. Sometimes. Now getting a lot of play on Jeremy Vine on Five. Is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a regular panellist. And last week he said Boris Johnson is the brightest man in Britain. Is he? He is made for this moment. Mm. And we'll rescue this Britain is his moment. from the malaise that we've been in. Yeah. So he thinks that yeah, Boris Johnson is the brightest man in Britain. Yeah, yeah. And He did used to work at the Express. Since I used to listen to Mike Parry on TalkSport and write about him a lot in the Daily Mirror, yeah. I'll tell you some other things that Mike Parry believes. Yes. He believes that racehorses should be fitted with wing mirrors so um, jockeys can see behind them. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. He believes you that... Can put them in their little ears. He believes, exactly, he believes that Formula One cars... Should have ejector seats fitted in them <laughs> to enhance driver safety. Oh no! Just and for he fun. also believes that that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. If it, like it was like Mario Kart and you could press the button, <laughs> and old Lewis Hamilton and then Vettel had come popping out. Achtung! I've got a lot of ideas about how to make sport more fun, and that is a good one. My other idea is to set footballs on fire. Yes. So that you you you, you can't dribble. We've got to get rid of that ball. It's your leg will set on fire. Yes. And actually, a lot of them are fire-based, because I think it'd improve rugby as well. Um, he had an idea, pre-VAR idea, that um, managers, football managers should have three challenges in a, in a game, and to signal that they wanted to challenge a referee's decision, they should put on an orange balaclava. <laughs> full f- f- open face, open or face, face, orange balaclava, and <laughs> like. Like a rubbish Dutch terrorist. That's right. And somebody actually rang into Talksport and said, "How would this work? How would the, if it was Phil Brown was the manager? How would they know?" And he said, "Phil Brown would have to wear the orange balaclava and wave his arms." At the same time. Um, That's, well, I like I like all those ideas. Mike Perry's gone up in my estimation. I think more. He's the brightest. He said Boris Johnson is the brightest man in Britain. He's also said that the 100 metres in the Olympics will one day be run in one second <laughs> because of the pace of sporting advances. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, when he yeah. was asked about this, he said it will probably not be in our lifetime. <laughs> probably not, Mike. Probably not. So Mike Parry, a fool, is the breast tier of the week. That's a fantastic, fantastic anecdote. Thank you, Mr <laughs> Parry, for that. You are this week's Brexiteer of the Week. If you enjoy this podcast, you should do what, Steve? Could you buy me some strepsils? My throat is really bad. <laughs> you would not believe the struggle we have got to get to this far on the podcast without Steve dying. Uh, <laughs> it'd be great if you left me lovely reviews. Yeah, and yeah. you left this you lovely reviews. You left this podcast lovely yeah, reviews. Yeah. Don't just write in about me. I know yeah, I know yeah. I'm good. Old me. I mean, you know, and DMs are open. If you so, podcatcher you... of choice, leave a nice review for the New European. It uh-huh. will really help us. Yeah. <coughs> were you actually on Love Island when you were over there, are You've come back with some kind of holiday virus. flu. I think you've clearly been kissing girls. I have. I've come back with a holiday virus. <laughs> you, why, I tell you, what, you die, right? Leave us reviews on the podcatcher of your choice. Um, go to steadyhq.com forward slash New European. Yeah. Yeah, he's not dead yet. And you can search for the New European. You can, and you can, and there you can help fund um, the work we do, because journalism is not cheap, but we are carrying on the fight. And if you would like to, you can follow us on Twitter, at the New European. You can follow Steve at... <coughs> Anglesey. Or you could follow it's me. Actually, Sanglesey. S A N G L E S E Y. Or you can follow me at Porrit, P O R R I T. Or you can join our um, New European Facebook readers group too. Back from the dead. 
that was <coughs> the New European Podcast with Steve <coughs> Anglesey and myself, Richard Porritt. If you haven't already, please do go out and buy the printed products. It is £3. It is packed full of politics, packed full of Brexit, as you would imagine, but there is tons of art and tons of culture as well. We'll be back next week. Well, I won't. In fact, I'm off for two weeks, but Steve and Jerry and the gang will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you go. Am I dying? Could you do it after Brexit of the Week? Yes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.